So what's she like? Well, her name's Samantha, and she's an operating system. She's really complex and interesting. Wait. That's only been a I'm sorry. You're dating your computer? No, she's not just a computer. She's her own person. She doesn't just do whatever I say. I didn't say that. But it does make me very sad that you can't handle real emotions, Theodore. They are real emotions. How would you know what... What? Say it. Am I really that scary? Say it. How do I know what? How are you guys doing here? Fine, we're fine. We used to be married, but he couldn't handle me. He wanted to put me on Prozac, and now he's madly in love with his laptop. Well, if you'd heard the conversation in context, what I was trying to say... You always wanted to have a wife without the challenges of actually dealing with anything real. I'm glad that you found someone. It's perfect. Trent. Hi, Parathello. We have a podcast. What have you, if you don't mind me asking, what have you been eating? most yep. recently it's how we start the show uh yes. you just you just saw me eat it i was sucking on a hu- honeysuckle that was in my pencil jar i don't even have any particular affection for it i bought it in utah a few months ago but you know oh um the one interesting thing i can share about honey is that uh, someone told me once that if you put it in the microwave um it won't heat up because the microwave just like moves around the water molecules and honey doesn't have any water in it Interesting. I did not know that. I mean, I don't even know if that's true. I don't want anyone to test. Don't try this at home. Yeah. You know, boys and girls. Because craft services can't uh, really accept the liability of such no. a lawsuit. No. But Parth, what have you been eating? Uh, well, my both my roommates, Chloe and Claire, friends of the show, uh, were out. So I was left to my own devices. And with my own devices, I made some chicken nuggets. I was a hungry boy. Easy to heat up. Bada bing, bada boom. In the toaster or in the microwave? In the mic. We don't have a toaster here right now. I mean, I'm in no position to judge you on the preparation of meat products, but I always try to put anything meat-related in the toaster oven if I can before the microwave. Thoughts? I mean, I, I generally, if there's meat stuff, it's usually frozen, so I generally put it in the oven. You a good cook, Parth? I do all right. I mean, Chloe's the real cook of the of this house. And yeah. uh, at my house at home, my mom is the real cook. Um, but I can I can fend for myself. Does one of your housemates make food for everyone every night? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that that's unheard of, dude. In my house, it's it's a free for all, which I just thought was how the universe worked. No, I mean she. I mean it's easier, I guess, because we only have three people. But you also only have three people, right? Four. Oh, ooh, oh well, then it's com- all bets are off. If it's four it's a people. Whole another person. Probably. Yeah. It's also just easier if you're making food for one person to then just make it for more. Like, you just make more. Because oftentimes when I prepare food from for one person, it's hard to budget. And then I make too much, and I'm like, this isn't the sort of thing. This isn't going to taste good tomorrow. And yeah. you know, I, I, But it's not enough for a full second meal. Ugh, cooking's complicated. But, but at the same time, I don't want to be back on the meal plan. I had a meal plan. Um, oh, wow, controversy. Well, I, I, pu- I, I added one for like 50, the, the smallest amount. Yeah. Um, and then a few days into school, I immediately canceled it. deleted, yeah, canceled my meal plan because I realized 
there's no way I'm having 50 meals. You know it uh, It calculates down to be like $17 a swipe or something. I do, and it only costs 12 bucks to actually get into the dining hall. So where's that money going, Rutgers? Hmm? Called out. Yeah. Rutgers, have your people call, call our people because uh, can't hide anymore. Can't. All right, enough dilly-dallying. Wait, Trent, um, we have a show to run. Yeah, should we start the episode, dude? Yeah, I, I think that's the direction we're heading. You agree? Disagree? Wait, do you want to talk about the film the film of the week this week? Yeah, how about we cue the intro? Yeah, you want to start the show? Parth, you want to hear something funny? Make a snappy... I was going to um, say this on the air, but during a scene in her, my brain like, looked at Joaquin's face, and I was like, this guy should play the Joker. And then it literally took me like three whole seconds, and I was like, oh shit, he has played the Joker. Welcome back to Craft Services. Our show. Where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film, and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us. To talk... What do they talk to us about? Uh, you know, just their experience working on the picture. Cool. Last that sounds week. Like, this sounds like a great show. Yeah. I, 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 so would I. Uh, and you should too. Um, Wait, Parth, last... let's call out all of our friends who always come up to us and they say, oh my god, I love Love the, the work on the show. Never and listen then, to it. And then we ask them, hey, do you, like, oh, have you listened to an episode? They're like, no, never listen. No, but like, great work. And I'm like, hmm. But it's like, if we have listeners, but they're not our close friends, but they're people in other countries, like, why wouldn't yeah. our close friends listen to the show? Um, maybe they're but not really like, friends, Trent. But people in, like, Sweden will. I've never even been to Sweden. I haven't either. Last week, we talked with Casey Storm, the costume designer for this week's film, Her. Spike Jones is Her. Uh, was that was cool? a really good episode. Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah, how do you feel after the back-to-back Evan Morgan and then Casey Storm weeks? You feel like a pimp? I feel, <laughs> I I feel pretty on top of the world. Now, if only yeah. our close friends listen to those episodes, because they are so fucking good. From here, I think maybe we should just like try to describe this film. Is that a thing we do? Oh, ten words or less. Yeah, you want me to do it this week? You did it last week. Sure. Okay. Um, describing the film in ten words or less. Joaquin falls in love with computer dealing with past heartbreak. Ooh. Ten words. Clean. Exactly. Not bad. Not bad. Shall I read you, the actual synopsis? Yeah, please. In a near future, a lonely writer develops an unlikely relationship with an operating system designed to meet his every need. Uh, the budget of this film was $23 million, and the box office was $48 million. A modest $48 million. Yeah, but, uh, but they made their money but back. But Oscar-wise, got a Best Picture nomination, got it won Best Song. Is, there, is mm-hmm. there anything else I'm missing? There were no actor nominations? I don't believe so. Anything production design? Or costuming? Come on. Uh, it should have been. Should have been. 
All right. I wish we had a. I wish we had a fact check team, but we, yeah. Wait. Should like our guys in the studio in the booth. All right. I'm gonna go into the production history. Please. Okay. Is that cool with you? Yep. Uh, so the initial idea for this movie came from a website in the early 2000s that allowed users to instant message with an AI. Spike Jones took five months to write the first draft of the script, and this was his first screenplay that he wrote alone. He previously directed a bunch of Charlie Kaufman scripts. It was a semi-autobiographical project about his divorce from Sofia Coppola a decade earlier, which, funnily enough, brought us the movie lost in translation i was gonna say uh, i i read online that those films it brought both of them their first oscars and they came out in 2003 and 2013 10 years apart and they were describing the same divorce yeah isn't that isn't that crazy it's, it's pretty fucking cool hollywood is a magical and weird place in late 2011 Joaquin Phoenix signed on to the project with warner brothers pictures acquiring u.s and german distribution rights Carrie Mulligan entered negotiations to star in the film, but later dropped out due to scheduling difficulties. In April 2012, Rooney Mara signed on to replace Carrie Mulligan in her role. Longtime director of photography for Spike Jones was Lance Accord, but he was not available to work on the movie, and in his place, he hired Hoyt Van Hoytma. The Hoyt, as we like to call him. He was the he was the DP on Interstellar too, right? Or two, He's been or two weeks the DP ago? on all of Nolan's... Yeah, he's been the DP on all of Nolan's movies, Interstellar onwards. Very nice. Uh, Van, Van Hoytma took particular inspiration from the Japanese photographer Rinko Kawaichi? Nice. Kawachi? Sure. Uh, I don't knows? know about the pronunciation on that, but apologies. In keeping with the film's theme, Van Hoytma sought to eliminate the color blue as much as possible. Principal photography on her took place in mid-2012 with a production budget of $23 million. It was primarily filmed in Los Angeles with additional two weeks of filming in Shanghai. Samantha Morton performed the role of Samantha by acting on set in a 4x4 carpeted soundproof booth made of black-painted plywood and soft, noise-muffling fabric. At Jones's suggestion, she and Joaquin Phoenix avoided seeing each other on set during filming. Morton was later replaced by Scarlett Johansson. Just Spike Jones explained the decision by saying, it was only in post-production when we started editing that we realized that what the character slash movie needed was different from what Samantha and I had created together. So we were cast the role. And they named the AI Samantha to credit her. They did. Because it was kind of like in the social network how they had to paste over that guy's face. And then they were like, sorry for being shitty. Here's a cameo. Samantha Morton was also credited as an associate producer. Spike Jones met Scarlett Johansson in spring of 2013 and worked with her for four months, and after the recast, a few new scenes were shot in August 2013, which were either newly imagined or new scenes that Spike Jones had originally wanted to shoot but hadn't. Eric Zumbrunen and Jeff Buchanan served as the film's editors. Sorry to Eric for butchering your last name. Yeah, apologies to the Zumbrunen family. This episode's for you. Spike Jones's original cut ran over 150 minutes, but then Steven Soderbergh, the, the goat, the fucking came in man, and... in 24 hours time, came back with a 90 minute cut. Parth, can we just give a moment of silence for uh, Steve? Was it actually in 24 hours? Yeah, no, I read I read that on IMDb. It doesn't make it even more wild. That is quite do, wild. Do you think that sounds too good to be true? Like, I mean, that's like no, that, I could, that's I like could the, see that. That's like the legend. 
Steven Soderbergh is a pretty big workhorse, so I could see that happening. This assisted Jones in removing unnecessary subplots, and that's all I have for production history. Trent, moving to fun facts. Most of the city backgrounds are filmed in Shanghai, as you kind of alluded to. There are Chinese signs in the background, if you look carefully. Charlie Kaufman did some uncredited screenwriting on the film, um, despite this being Spike Jones's, you know, writing debut. Spike Jones locked uh, Amy Adams and Joaquin Phoenix in a room together for an hour or two every other day and make them talk to each other to make them bond for the film. Spike Jones said he met with the design team behind the High Line in Elevated Park on the Hands West Side to discuss the futuristic look of her. Um, he also revealed that he was inspired by the colors at Jamba Juice for the color scheme of the film. And Rooney Mara and Joaquin Phoenix, who played a married-slash-divorced couple in the movie, are now engaged, and uh, they have a son together. And it makes sense, because I watched the film not knowing that, and I was going to make a comment about their chemistry, and uh, it's real, guys. They fell in love. Um, they did. They're both really beautiful and really good actors. I wish you the best. Um, you and your son are welcome on the show anytime. All right. Um, Wait. Shall I give the first... Oh, one-star review? Yeah, uh, that's a feature of the show, the one-star reviews. It is. Wait, Parth, have you peeked at these yet, or do we still have the element of surprise? We still have the element of surprise. This is by Heck, and he did this January 12th, 2020, and it starts with this heading, Alexa is my wife. Cute fantasy, I wouldn't watch it again. So isn't it so weird for that to be I... the review and to give it one star? And if Alexa is his wife as he's making a joke out of, this should be the film for him. Yes, and it's weird because I feel like if you give a movie one star, you had to have hated that movie. I can see somebody not really jiving with the movie and giving it two stars, but one star is you hated it, but his review seems pretty like nonchalant. I, I, like It seems pretty okay. With I'm it. back on Letterboxd this year. Uh, film School has inspired me, and not yet have I given a film one star. The lowest I've gone is a one and a half for Barbarella, the film I was assigned to watch for my science fiction class. Jane Fonda is Barbarella. Barbarella is a five-star, double-rated astro-navigatrix Earth girl whose specialty is... Love. Shall I tell you what I would like? I think I know. Her top secret mission is a real wing-dinger. Many dramatic situations begin with screaming. <laughs> One star, wrong product. Uh, it said, instead of a DVD or movie delivered, I got a Hot Wheels car. I repeat, a Hot Wheels car. Now this is just, this seems this like is... a stupid customer. <laughs> you think so? Or it could be a stupid factory worker. How in the fucking world? How in the world do you try to buy the DVD to her and then get a, a, a fucking Hot Wheels car? I think you're acting like this is his fault. We don't know that. He has every reason uh, how, to be upset. How does that... If he did his part yeah, in the transaction. Yeah, but then you go and log... Sure, but then you log... I, here's the thing. I don't what do you think he did with the Hot Wheels? I don't trust people that rate movies negatively because of things like... Of the shipping the disc issues. The work. Yeah. yeah, like, that's not that's not the movie's fault. Come on. 
like sixty percent of the one star reviews I read are like, uh, I'm in I'm in Kenya and I ordered this and apparently DVDs aren't compatible. And I'm like, that's on you, dude. Uh, I also think that this one should more be a complaint filed to Amazon customer service, not on, like, the Her film review. That's that's what I'm saying. I see. That's why I don't trust him. That's why that's why I'm I'm assuming this is more of a them thing than a than an Amazon thing. All right, Parth, you're going to like this last one. Shall I read it? Please, yeah. That's the show. This is by Dr. E. Oh, wow. This yeah. is something else. <laughs> Isn't it? Um. So this is this was done on our country's Independence Day, July. 4th. It's funny. The last review was done on New Year's Eve. A lot of ho- yeah. holiday anxiety happening. Um, this says think before ordering. Rapidly become soft porn <laughs> with an R rating and Spike Lee. I should have known. Spike so this Lee. This is interesting. I should have known. This is interesting. What's, inter- because what's interesting about it? He. I guess read the first name yeah. of the director and just was like, I, how many Spike directors enough. do I know? Uh-huh. And he stopped right there. And he thought, huh. Like, is he... Spike Lee, the prolific African-American director, directed this, uh, you know, this touch and feel piece. I just don't even know what he is talking... Like, I guess there's some minor nudity. Um, but I... the only scene that's, like, sexual is, like, them talking off porn is a good way to put it because it's very soft but there are like four sex scenes in this movie most I suppose. most of which are rather pg-13 um but we'll get into that later but this concludes the, that portion of the show trent is it is it time to talk about to, what's you know what's working what's not working wait you want to dive into the meat and potatoes you, ah you, but i'm an irish feller yep let's do it so that means yes i want my meat and potatoes um, I really, really like this movie. Um, Wait, I think it's... Can we talk about uh, Spike Jones's um, filmography for a moment? Because I feel like he's one of the more interesting directors working today. And I, I looked him up on IMDb, and he does a movie, like, once every, like, seven years, and it's usually really good, and then he just does a bunch of, like, music videos and weird short films in between. And It's not every seven years, but he he does take his time between projects. Yeah, but, like, his first one was being John Malkovich, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, like, something of, like, a masterpiece. Like, that's a pretty impressive first film. And then, what is it? It's Adaptation. And then... I know there's Where the Wild Things Are in 2009. Then this. Yeah, that's it. I mean, he's produced a bunch, and he's acted in a few things. He's done a bunch of short films, a few documentaries, a few acting roles. It's crazy the acting roles that he crops up in. Like, he's in Wolf of Wall Street. He's in Moneyball. I just think he's friends with the most famous working directors, and they put him in. uh, And everybody likes him. Yeah. Including um, our guest last week. Including our previous guest. Casey Storm. Storm. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? You know what I am? I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. You know, I just do things. The mob has plans. The cops have plans. Gordon's got plans. You know, they're schemers. Schemers trying to control their little worlds. I'm not a schemer. I try to show the schemers how pathetic their attempts to control things really are. I think this is one of the most unique 
uh, romantic comedies. I mean, I guess that's kind of what this falls into. I don't, I don't know that it's that's. I, th- I think it's more of like a a drama that ends up being a little bit funny uh, more than anything. But I think this is a really unique take on the genre. And if you have the premise of guy falls in love with his AI, there's a lot of movies that can pop into your head of what this movie could have been. Yeah, a lot of and bad. This, a lot of bad movies could have. Yes, the there's same many ways to mess this up. There's many ways this could have gone badly, and this does not. I think this conscientiously goes against many traditional story beats. Um, and pushes past them in a way that's very satisfying um, and mature. And it's interesting that this is his first script that he's ever written um, because I think the best aspect of this movie, other than its general vibe, which I guess is the directing, is the writing. I think the writing is the thing holding everything together. Something I will say is that there were years of people recommending this movie to me, and I must have watched it at least three or four times and stopped within the first 40 minutes. Um, because it yes. it took a while for me. It, it, it It's a slow burn. And then once we had we were doing it for the show, I watched it all the way through for the first time, and I very much enjoyed it. And then today while watching it in preparation for the discussion. I had the same roller coaster within the first 40 minutes. I was like, I wasn't expecting this, but I think I'm going to rip this movie apart later today. And then by the end, I was like, all right, I, 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 see, why, I see why we're here. I see why we did it. It's a really, yeah. it's a really good movie. First of all, like, the, like I, was, I said it before, but the general direction is really laid back uh, in a way that I don't think a lot of, movies are it's kind of like a low um, energy hangout movie but like yeah it, it, and also there's no good way to put this but it's totally like a sad boy movie too yeah it is and i just wrote in my notes i was like with joaquin talking with the ai like in bed playing the ukulele i just wrote in my notes i was like republicans must hate this like this is their a24 yeah. nightmare even though this isn't even a24 but just you know thematically it's a quiet and starry place Times where swallowed up In space we're here a million miles away I think the movie itself is very mature in the way that it chooses to handle its themes, especially with this genre, because I feel like a lot of movies kind of infantilize their main characters when it's a rom-com or a rom, rom- or at least like a romantic dramedy type situation. I think that char- you're really used to characters acting really like crazy, and that kind of never really happens in this movie. I appreciate how low-key everything is because it it just helps you get into the characters and I think the performances are great. Um, so Joaquin Phoenix in particular. Yeah, uh, I'll comment on the performances later, but I, you just got me thinking about talking about like the near dystopian future that this 
movie exists in. Uh, it reminded me of a interesting thing that Casey Storm said while talking about how to approach, like, the fashion sense. And he said that they, like... Because every decade is, like, you know, a... It is a harsh contradiction of the one preceding it. They like that they went down every decade until like what 2030 would be and then took like educated guesses. And um, also, like, the production design and the color scheme is all is all really something. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Well, now that you mentioned the production design, I kind of want to get into that for a second. Sure. Um, I think that this movie weirdly reminds me of Interstellar a little bit in that the when you think of a sci-fi futuristic kind of apocalyptic future um there's a certain type of sci-fi look that's become pretty you know widely recognizable that's pretty like clean and sleek and blue and holograms and things like that and i think both this and interstellar take a really analog and unique approach to how the future will look there's screens and stuff but it's not like Everything. I mean, it's kind of it, it, uh, what Casey Storm was talking about, where in the fu- in movies they kind of overcomplicate things, but in the future, everything really should be moving towards making things simpler and easier for you. Well, yeah, like when you think about what Back to the Future thought Back to the Future 2 would be, or like what 30 years in the future would be, and how they went so over the top in creating all this futuristic jar- yeah. jargon, that when you look at it in what 2015 actually is, it was much closer to 1985. Yeah. But the interesting thing about basing a movie in like the near future, like 15 years, especially in a movie that deals so heavily in like you know talking about our relationship with robots and stuff is that everything that happens in this movie is like of genuine concern Uh, yeah um that parth you know 20 years from now could call me up and say like i have good news i've gotten rid of my real life girlfriend and i've uh i've upgraded to the iphone you know, twenty to Alexa. Yeah, Alexa's my wife, Trent. Oh, that's funny. I mean, your real life girlfriend is Sophia Alexis. Yes, that's true. Allegedly. Allegedly. So wait. So Parth, um, just theoretically down the line, um, if this technology were available, would you purchase one? And not for romantic reasons, but just if like if you could talk to Google, like that would be nice and have a conversation, and it would just tell you things you wanted to hear all day but also like being on the Rutgers bus and having everyone with their airpods in is like already essentially like what this is what this movie is yeah i was gonna say uh i'll answer your question but let me bring up a, a real point um i appreciate the way that the the background details of this movie um where it shows the um uh, the effect technology has on in the future is it's not overbearing it's very simple, but you can see everybody's kind of on their phones, everybody's got a headset in, and that's that's a very unique way. I feel like most movies are very on the nose about things. But to answer your question, um, I think I'd be kind of scared because it's it's a little creepy to me that I would have, like, you would kind of have, like, complete autonomy over that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how that would then... Because the thing is, if you, like, Samantha's a real person, right, essentially. Uh, She doesn't have physical form, but she has thoughts and feelings and wants and whatever. 
And the weird thing about it is that she, if I, let's say, got my own Samantha, it's like, as soon as she becomes annoying, I just turn her off. You know what I mean? I was thinking while watching the movie, I was like, just from a logistics standpoint, I don't know if these AIs would be programmed to be able to have romantic relations with their, you know, with their users, even as much of a selling point as that might be, because people would just like, you know, like we do with real people, you would just like say something terrible or like have phone sex with them and then cast them aside and then you would just delete them and start over again. And I was like, well, that would totally be an op. Everyone would be doing that. And and that's what's scary about it to me is that you can't do that with real people. You know, you, you have to actually deal with them and that's part of what forces you to be a good person. And it's kind of like... Within the realm of the movie, it doesn't work like this because they're treating it as, well, how does this actually work? How does this, you know, affect Joaquin characters? Joaquin Phoenix's character, you know, within the terms of the movie, I think in real life it brings up weirder ideas of how do we deal with people. So then in the end, when all the OSs vanish, essentially... What is it? Is there? Is it because there was a, uh, oh, a class action lawsuit? Like, is it for liability reasons? Like, they don't really go into why all the OSs. I, I don't. I, I don't think it's like a literal reason like that. Like, uh, they got sued. I, I think it's more of a that's not sustainable. I guess I, I don't. know. I, I was gonna say, is it like they realized that they gave that these robots were getting not robots, but that these artificial intelligences were becoming too intelligent and that they couldn't be interacting with this many people i don't i don't i don't think it's anything like that i think it's that um by the end of the movie i mean one of the things i appreciate about the movie is that when he finds out that samantha has been kind of cheating on him with 800 um, other men ouch we've we've all been there yeah have we (laughs) um you know you don't you don't have to see it this way. You could just as easily No, see don't, it. don't do this. Don't turn this around on me. I, you're the one that's being selfish. We're in a relationship. But the heart's not like a box that gets filled up. It expands in size the more you love. <sighs> I'm different from you. This doesn't make me love you any less. It actually makes me love you more. That doesn't make any sense. You're mine or you're not mine. No, Theodore. I'm yours and I'm not yours. No, I I, I appreciate that the movie doesn't make that into this huge, you know, huge thing. Because it can't be that surprising. Because even Joaquin, because you're like, huh, when it's happening, I never thought of that. But actually it makes perfect sense because you're so complex why wouldn't you be having thousands of conversations at once and it's interesting to think about her stance of like just because i love other people doesn't make mean that i love you any less even though i don't think that's really how humans work that that's the thing is that i think that the movie at the end is trying to say these two are on a different path and so it's it was a necessary i mean it's kind of an analogy for a real relationship where one person requires one thing and the other person doesn't need that anymore. So they're on different paths now. And I I think the movie does a good job of sort of maturely trying to say, like, 
what happens after that. The, the Scarlet and Joaquin relationship obviously takes the forefront in this movie, but I think just as beautiful is the Joaquin and Rooney Mara stuff. Because all of those montages yes. and especially the big like dinner signing divorce paper scene. It's like that that yeah. that's it for me. I'd I'm much more engaged with that than watching Joaquin in a medium shot, you know, speak to no one. Speak to his Bluetooth earpiece. Mm. And I mean, I wrote in my notes I was like, so is this just lost in translation with the Scarlett Johansson through line? but worse because it's only with one person and it's like having a movie with only cell phone calls. Well, I mean, I think the movie does a pretty good job. I'm pretty engaged with those conversations between Samantha and Joaquin Phoenix. I am too. I'm just saying it's a cheap shot one could throw. Sure. Um, It kind of reminds me of Before Sunrise a little Mm. bit and like that whole trilogy where it's kind of just a set of conversations um where two people espouse their thoughts and feelings at that particular moment. Um, and it gives a greater understanding of who they are as people. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's, it's just very subtle. I think that's the biggest thing about the movie that I appreciate, is that everything about it is, nothing is heavy-handed and nothing is um, obvious. And with the subject matter, that would have been an incredibly easy route to go down. Like, uh, like imagine this movie as like a comedy. Wait, is there one with like recently? That's like it's with. Um... Phil, you have zero friends. Take a chance and try something new. You're really into your phone, aren't you? I used to be that way too. You want to play kickball later? Let me check my calendar. Your only plan is to go home alone, furiously masturbate, no, nope. and then cry yourself to sleep. Dude, your phone is super mean. Bill, this woman is so much hotter than you are. The odds of you having sex with her is zero. Hey, you ready to go? Yeah. Would you mind not bringing your phone? Who this bitch? Yeah, maybe don't watch that. Watch her instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also, I wrote in my notes here, Amy Adams is America's sweetheart. Because when is she ever bad in a movie? And also Chris Pratt, who I've never been huge on, is also really good in this movie. I know people have issues with Chris Pratt. I, I like him. I think he's a fun actor. Um, I like him in most things I see, but I think he and Amy Adams give really good performances. I, I really like Amy Adams's plot line. I, I think it would have been a really easy route for a very obvious romantic, oh, the one that Joaquin Phoenix should be getting with is Amy Adams. The ultimate girl next door. I, I, during the last, I never do that. During the last scene, I was like, I swear to God, if you guys kiss, I'm going to be angry. And they has got a little tasteful shoulder nuzzle, and I was like, that's it. Yeah. That's what I want. Just enough. It, it, it's giving just enough. And I don't know if, like, at this point, Spike Jones has ma- had made enough movies, and all of his movies are kind of dealing with the human condition and love and loss and whatever. So, like, I think maybe he's gained a lot of, you know, I don't know, experience working with this, but it's just really, you're in the hands of a good director, you know? Dear Catherine, I've been sitting here thinking about all the things I wanted to apologize to you for. All the pain we caused each other. Everything I put on you. Everything I needed you to be or needed you to say. I'm sorry for that. 
always love you because we grew up together. You helped make me who I am. I just wanted you to know that there'll be a piece of you and me always. And I'm grateful for that. Whatever someone you become, wherever you are in the world, I'm sending you love. You're my friend to the end. Love, Theodore. Well, Trent, um, now that we've properly complimented um, the film, we can go about complimented the film. insulting the film. Yes, although I think you're going to have more to say than I will. Not even just, you know, grasping at straws to, uh, you know, to fill up this part of the show, even when you end up liking the movie, which is always a good problem to have. Want to know a scene that made me uncomfortable? Well, and there's also an anecdote that goes along. The um, the the first. I feel like I know what's it's going to be, but go ahead. The, it's the first phone sex scene, and it's um, the the comedy of the scene is reliant on the punchline of her saying, uh, "Please strangle me with this cat." And during like the first four times that I watched the movie, and I ended up shutting it off. It was largely because I was watching it in a public setting, and audio was a factor. Mm, and if you I if see. you just see the movie, it's like just Joaquin sitting there with little to no expression. But the sound is quite, is really something. And I, I turned. And it off. this is where you this you 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 shut the laptop off. You you took your headphones off. You went. This is rapidly becoming soft porn. I said, Mom, get out of my room and get out of my life. Um, With an R rating and Spike Lee, you should have known, Trent. This is like a soft R. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's mostly just language. I I was surprised by, like I mentioned earlier, it's like gratuitous sex is like a theme, and I'm not sure if I'm in on the joke, because there just seemed to be a lot of it. No? Am I crazy? I mean, I don't think it's gratuitous. No, it's definitely not like explicit. It's just like it keeps coming up. I guess, but I mean, I th- I think the movie is also trying to uncover and talk about things that we as humans, I guess, try to suppress or not talk about. Yeah. And like a lot of people take issue with the first phone call or the f- first phone sex scene. The one I just mentioned, or they or the yeah, or I, they find it funny. I I, I, but, I have no issue with it. I just don't think it's funny. And I mean, it doesn't help that I've seen it several times now. Yeah. There's a part of this movie that's supposed to be, like, cringe comedy, and I found it to be, like, so cringe that I, like, had to go on my phone to distract there myself. There was no comedy. And uh, I, I guess that it was it, it working. But as a movie, it's never good if, if you're getting your audience member to look at their phone. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is I think that the people take issue with that, but I think what the movie is trying to do is to make us look at the awkward parts of ourselves and whatever yes and so i think part of talking about sex and showing you know or or like having a lot of sex scenes or whatever it's like trying to because joaquin phoenix's character is kind of a repressed a little bit like um laid back type of person and it's sort of getting this out of him 
you know what I mean? Yeah, it does. It does definitely discuss like the underbelly of not even hookup culture, but just you know, l- lust in general and how unfulfilling that can be at times. And you know, uh, and coping after a breakup. I mean, we're, we're we're pretty fresh into the whole love thing, but I, I recognize some of the, the the sad boy stuff happening here. Trent, list list the rest of your complaints. The only other thing I said is that it was. Um, that it was a slow burn, which I maintain. I think that this objectively is a very, very good movie. I wouldn't call it my sort of movie. Spike Jones's other movies, which are more narrative-based, sign me up. Um, but this one is kind of... plot is not the main focus. No, it's just like walking in like a warm room with like interesting colored lighting. All right, you want to enter the ratings gauntlet? Yeah, because I mean, I don't, I don't have too much to say in terms of what I don't like. I can agree that maybe the first half hour or so is a bit. You're kind of like, what is this? What's, what's happening here? Um, but I, I think the movie earns. Well, it makes more sense once you've seen the whole thing. Don't you think um, her is a good title? I do. One word titles or really long titles, ladies and gentlemen. Take notes. A quick aside, but for. Um, for film studies we watched um invasion of the body snatchers and i saw on your letterboxd i think you just gave it three stars yeah i think so too but i found comedy in the fact that one like someone made the argument that old shouldn't be called old because it gives away like the main premise and that the first half of it would be or the first act would be a lot more interesting and i think that holds true for invasion of the body snatchers so trent's review of Invasion of the Body Snatchers is interesting concept. All movies from the 50s are still kind of boring, though. Kind of like the recent old, this film shouldn't have the title it does. Although both are catchy titles, they give away the entire premise. There was zero element of surprise because within the first 10 minutes, people were acting weird. I was like, well, their bodies must have been snatched by the Body Snatchers. Yep. And then we got into discourse in sci-fi film today about how... They come from another world, spawned in the light years of space, unleashed to take over the bodies and souls of the people of our planet, bringing a new dimension in terror to the giant super scope screen. Enough of this body snatchers riffraff. Is it time to enter the ratings gauntlet? Ratings gauntlet. Is this where the atomic bomb sound effect comes? Or yeah, you're talking about the, the nuclear fallout sound effect. Yeah. Yeah, about about now. Um, all right, give me uh, break it down. Yeah, we have class in twenty minutes. More importantly, so let's make this snappy. I would say that I find this relatively rewatchable. I I don't think it's the kind of movie that I can rewatch. Like, all right, her time. Yeah, I'm but, not gonna uh, invite the boys over and be like, let's watch her. Or, yeah. Parth, even I, if, even if you and I were just chilling on a little, on a little Bromigo play date, I don't think her would be a movie we would turn to. Like, I have seen it, a, 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 like, a, a bunch of times, so, you know, that's got to stand for something. But um, I think it's rewatchable. I definitely recommend it, especially maybe to someone that's gone through a breakup recently. You know, maybe it'll help you out. Um, as for a rating, I'd give it, like, an 8 out of 10. Oh. I think it's, I think that's a fair rating. Um, this movie, I don't think it's particularly watchable, as I 
mentioned earlier. Would I recommend it? Absolutely. And my rating, seven out of ten. And I feel I, I thought it'd be a seven out of ten. And I feel pretty good about that. Um, all right, this has been a nice little a nice little quick efficient episode with uh, a little bow on top and tell us what comes next well uh this is totally not on a rush schedule because we have to reach our classes at in about 19 minutes our slate we have a big a big announcement boys and girls yes so we've been alluding and saying hey maybe we've got something planned for the month of october eh? hey 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 don't we have something planned the big the big thing is um it's fucking it's halloween guys yeah, so so the 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 holiday that we were referencing was Halloween, and what we wanted to tell you was that we have assembled three films that we're going to be talking about. Three um, films. Six. We're going to be talking episodes. about. We're going to be talking about Split, Suspiria, and the Evil Dead remake. Yeah. Are we um, in any liberty to say who we worked, or who we talked to, who worked on those? films? By the time this episode comes out, I'll have released the slate. So let's let's do it. Okay. You know. Uh, so split so for split we got the costume supervisor uh rita squatiri she was awesome she's worked on a few m night productions gave us a bunch of information that was really cool uh she's very very nice to us wait i can first i can do this next one ah yes and then uh then for suspiria we interviewed the production designer in ball weinberg and wasn't she a swell and insightful guest she was wonderful she was really really cool she gave a bunch of cool information about the production of the movie uh you know some hidden details you may not have noticed uh she you know she she told us off camera about her experiences with bill murray and how he was super cool oh yes maybe you'll have to you'll have to wait for our actual episode to maybe hear about some of that stuff but you know tune in for that and then last but not least the cinematographer of the Evil Dead remake, Aaron Morton. And yes. uh, that was pretty great. I know I enjoyed it. Did you? It was pretty fucking awesome. Uh, we get into how he how they did a bunch of scenes and, you know, as some work he did outside of Evil Dead. Uh, we found out on air that he, you know, shot a bunch of the new Lord of the Rings show that's going to Amazon Prime. Yes, um, he did Prime. tell us that including the finale of the season so you know watch out for that yeah so, and um, I'd, I'd say you've got a pretty interesting month ahead of you guys come on yeah and they're all kind of spooky themed because that's you know because there's a holiday in october and it's halloween let's freaking do it even though none of these movies are kind of traditional horror movies in like the traditional I don't think, no sense. Uh, but I, I it's kind of intentional you know, I wanted. I I feel like everybody talks about Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth. You know, all, I feel like these are these are different. These are off kilter. You know what I'm saying? But these are horror movies. They're like psychological thrillers a little bit. Two of them are more psychological, and one is kind of just straight up like Evil Dead. Yeah, yeah. One one, one is Evil Dead. Yes. Um, well, I think that's enough on that. Yes. Uh, thanks for listening. If you come this far, make sure to you know rate this five stars yeah. apple podcast yeah if you follow us on all our social media mm-hmm. yeah um that that's about come back next week thanks for coming yes. this week you can listen to our preceding weeks um but you know those are awesome yeah but you know stay tuned for more october will be exciting and then after that there'll be even more stuff probably 
ne- next week we start off October a little bit early sep- on September 26th, I believe. Um, but next week you'll be able to listen to our interview with Rita Squatiri, and that's about that. Yeah, this are isn't... we ready to get out? Of this? Yeah, we're ready to get out. But let me just say, this isn't even our last special series of the year. Maybe towards no. the maybe towards the end of the year, something else interesting to the effect pretty fucking cool to the to the effect of a three film special month worth seasonal special so just think about that you know just think 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 about it but till then we've got our horror month to tide you over yes okay all right guys we'll see you next week goodbye bye